Hi, I'm Stuart Spinks and welcome to episode 258 of my podcast, Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Sometimes, just sometimes, you walk into an apiary, start inspecting, and as the inspections go from one hive to the next, you just keep getting luckier and luckier. Stay tuned to hear exactly what I'm talking about. Short and Sweet, a beekeeping podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A beekeeper, in fact, just like me. Hi everyone, welcome back to the podcast. Another busy week as we continue to prepare for the warmer weather to settle down and our colonies build during this spring swarming period. It's been quite a strange old week really, particularly with the weather being so unsettled. It's been very much a week of dodging showers, thunderstorms, and, if Steph is to be believed, tornadoes. I should explain, we were inspecting our bees in one of our Suffolk apiaries, and Steph is convinced she spotted a tornado in amongst the very dark rain clouds that were swirling around the countryside quite close to where we were inspecting. She did point the area out to me, but at the time I was head down in a brood box and looking to the distant skyline through a bee suit veil meant I couldn't quite be sure of what I was seeing. That said, there were several reports on the local TV news showing actual tornadoes, so Steph's probably right in what she saw. Remarkably, we had about four hours inspecting colonies in these somewhat stormy, thundery, showery conditions and managed to avoid a single drop of rain until about 20 minutes after we had finished inspecting and were packing up ready to drive back to Norwich. Then it absolutely lashed it down. You will hear that honeybee colonies don't like being inspected in these conditions, but what we've found is this generally applies to colonies that are already predisposed to being grumpy. You know the type I mean, the ones that are not happy for you to inspect them, even on those perfect summer days. They still let you know that they don't want you interfering with them. Those are the ones that get really vindictive in stormy weather, stinging at the slightest opportunity, sneaking down your welly boots and hitting your ankles hard. Now those ones really do make your eyes water. All of that said, our inspections this week showed that if you have calm colonies as a starting point, generally, and of course this is a generalisation, they tend to be perfectly fine regardless of the weather. The vast majority of our colonies are now headed up by queens from Luke and Susie at Northumberland Honey, and those are pretty chilled out bees, I have to say. You soon notice the ones that are not from that stock, and that makes you jump. It won't come as a surprise to anyone who has kept bees for a while, but our medium to large size colonies continue to grow and develop day by day. It's very rewarding to see four frames of brood growing to six or even eight frames of brood in a week and emerging bees increasing the colony size dramatically. The smallest of our colonies remain small. Those on one or two frames of brood sit in a kind of hiatus state, not really doing anything, stuck in a developmental block almost. 
The problem for these colonies has been the incredibly variable weather, keeping it cooler a lot of the time and disrupting the smaller colonies from heading out to forage when every last bee is needed to keep that brood nest temperature high. Larger colonies have a vast growing population to turn to. So many bees, they can manage the internal hive temperatures with ease and still get bees out foraging. And those are the colonies that are building strongly, filling boxes with brood and honey, and are the ones we have earmarked for splitting and growth. This period of variable weather has, in the past, been a surefire time for chalk brood to develop, and become somewhat problematic in a number of colonies. Yet this season, despite the conditions, we've not really seen much chalk brood at all. In fact, chatting to Steph during our short lunch breaks in between inspections, I think we decided we'd only seen two colonies in total with any signs of chalk brood, and those were only light infections at that. Chalk brood will normally fade away as the weather warms up and colonies grow into late spring and early summer. I can't believe we're just a couple of weeks away from that early summer start. As we've moved around the apiaries this last week, it's been interesting to see so little swarming. But that is no doubt as a result of the poor start for most of our colonies this year. Might that mean that we need to be vigilant as we pass from spring into summer? and the phase of the season when we would normally expect colonies to settle down into foraging and storing work patterns. We'll have to wait and see. Once the weekly inspections routine has been completed, we have a long list of other tasks that need to be attended to. Top of the list is rewiring and waxing brood frames. We have a stack, a pallet load of frames for the techno set hives, these are again plastic frames. They are cleaned, but not fully prepared to go back into the hives. When you take out frames from brood boxes for whatever reason, maybe they're old comb and need replacing, or perhaps they come from a colony that has died out over the winter period. However you get them to this stage, once they're cut out and washed clean, the wires in them need a little attention to start with, as most of them will have sagged a little when the wax has been cut out and in some cases will actually break and need replacing completely. I'm currently spending my spare time sat at the desk assessing and repairing these frames so we can get fresh wax into them. For anyone just starting with your beekeeping, you're probably wondering what on earth I'm talking about as the usual route with brood frames is with frames that take wired foundation. The frame is partially dismantled and the wired foundation inserted the top bar wedge reinserted and nailed in place. Pretty straightforward, really, and one that most beginners will start with, I suspect. But there is another way. The wire is fitted into the frame instead of the foundation, and the wax inserted into a groove in the top bar, laid on a flat surface so the wax touches the wires in the frame, and then an electrical current is passed through the wire, causing it to heat up and melt the wax. Removing the current immediately means that the wax becomes solid once more and the wire is embedded in the wax, holding it securely in place and ready to go into your hive, either in the brood box or in a super. Now, this is beekeeping, so it would have to have a twist or a complication, wouldn't it? The wires can be passed either horizontally or vertically. 
I don't think it makes a huge amount of difference, but whichever way you choose to go, make sure you keep everything the same. It really messes with your brain when you spend an hour or two sorting through frames, only to find a few that go in a completely different direction to the ones that you've been handling. I speak from experience, of course. One of the major reasons for wiring your own frames is the cost of wired wax foundation. It can add up very quickly. And one of the benefits of wiring the frames instead of the foundation is that the wires can be used over and over again until they either break or become too rusty to take a current. Just to be clear, I've been removing the rusty ones and I'm no expert with this. I'm a relative recent convert to the wired frame setup. Of course, it costs me the one thing I seem to have very little of right now, and that's time. It is relatively time-consuming, especially when it's a job that could and should have been done a couple of months ago. Oh well, we'll get there. I wanted to talk through some more of my inspections this week. I've been getting lucky again, and that was just today, as I was helping out our association apiary with a few inspections. And we got really lucky. For those members of the Norwich and District Beekeepers Association that helped me out, my thanks and appreciation for getting the job done so swiftly. It was a bit chilly, wasn't it? Let me explain today's little situation and explain how we became so lucky. The association apiary is still very new to everyone, and we only have a small number of colonies to play around with. So on Saturday, we had a very high new beekeeper to experienced beekeeper ratio. It wasn't really my plan to stop and lead an inspection. I was really only there for the cake. That being said, I'm not going to miss up an opportunity to get into a hive and see what's going on. So I chose a group where we had two colonies, well, one colony split into two. I say split into two, it was originally an artificial swarm where the queen couldn't be found. It turns out she couldn't be found because she must have swarmed. The one brood box had a single drawn frame and queen cells on it, and the other split had the remaining frames and apparently no queen cells. So last week, a frame of eggs was added by other members of the association. Stay with me, it will all become as clear as mud shortly. The original split, the one with the single frame, had several mature queen cells. So mature, in fact, that when I peeled away one from the frame, a virgin queen popped out and started walking around on her unsuspecting beginner beekeeper's hand. This happened a second time. I dashed off to the truck to get a couple of queen cages, and we closed the hive back down to leave one unopened queen cell. She was bound to emerge within a day or so, as all the others were absolutely ready to pop out. Here we are in front of the second part of the split. A single frame, the one added last week, with open queen cells on it, and a couple of virgin queens being held by our intrepid association members. An opportunity too good to be missed. I grabbed a couple of nuke boxes and we divided the now hopelessly queenless colony into two six-frame nukes, having removed the open queen cells. Then we simply opened the queen cages one at a time and ran the virgin queens into each nuke. I like to think the inexperienced beekeepers who were with me felt the enormous amount of black magic that was occurring as these virgin queens walked gently down in between the frames whilst being completely ignored by the workers that they were passing. 
it's one of the nicest things to see when you've got a colony that's messed up by the instructions you've been given for an artificial swarm to then accept being split and having two virgin queens run into them. Together with the original split that has the sealed queen cell, we could now find ourselves with three colonies instead of one failed colony. Perfect timing and we're doing some proper beekeeping. Another 24 hours and we would probably have either lost a swarm with a virgin queen in it or we would have lost all but one of the virgin queens as they would have been destroyed one by one following the emergence of the first queen. I would put my money on losing a swarm to be honest. That's how it always seems to go for me when I mess things up. All of this after last week's magnificent split of one hive into six. I'm back at that apiary again soon to see how things have fared. To be honest, and please don't think bad of me, but I'm also hoping several other colonies will have thrown up some queen cells so I can split some more. We do need to increase back to our colony levels of last year fast. I can't wait to get the new queens in from Luke this year. Maybe in early June. Fingers crossed on that one. The John Harding queen rearing setup, that's really quite a mouthful to say each time. I do need to come up with an abbreviated version of the name that still credits John for his accomplishment. Suggestions via my website or the Patreon direct messaging service, please. I know I have some very clever beekeepers listening who will have a much better name than I could ever come up with. Anyway, the JH method is all set up and ready to go. We have two nucleus colonies settled into the outside nuke boxes. By the way, if you're only just joining me on the podcast, you'll need to go back a couple of episodes to find out the full story of this queen rearing process that we're going to use this year. So I need also to go back into the middle box to check for queen cells. That's the whole purpose of that middle box. So if there aren't any queen cells, it probably means I need to extend the length of the tubing at each connection point. The reason being that it might be possible, with the connectors being too close, that the bees in the middle are still able to pick up queen pheromone from the side nukes and therefore don't feel inclined to produce supersedure cells. I'll report back to you when I've taken a look. We'll also continue with the video recordings of our attempts to raise queens using this method, so do remember to watch out for those too. In other news, I really must get myself back over to the workshop and sort through all of the wooden frames I have there. One of the biggest issues here is the variety of frames that were with the colonies and the spare equipment that I purchased last year. There are so many different types, and of course none of them are exactly compatible with each other. I mean, they kind of do fit, and I can make it work, but it's not ideal because they're not all identical, and that just makes it harder work than it needs to be. Something I'll have to work on over the next couple of years, I suspect, so until then, I'm planning on sorting through them, stacking them in groups of the same frame type, work towards getting all of the same frames into individual hives, and then see how we go on from there. The good news is that they're all wired frames, so I won't have to switch from wired foundation to unwired foundation or the reverse. The other important job I have to complete right now is to get the drone foundation into the frames that I have ready so we can use those for Varroa control in June. For those of you puzzled by this, what we plan to do is to get our colonies to draw out some fresh drone comb 
using drone base foundation. You can get this from most decent beekeeping equipment suppliers. Once in the hive, the size of the embossed cells means the bees produce only drone comb from this foundation, and when the queen lays her eggs in it, she will lay unfertilized eggs, which will become drones. Once these cells have been sealed, remember this is around day eight, we have a further 16 days or so until they emerge. With luck, our varroa population will see these cells as the perfect place to hide and breed. So once sealed, the varroa become trapped. A week or so after the cells are sealed, I can remove them, freeze them, and then remove the larvae and the varroa trapped within. Fingers crossed this all works out for our bees, and we can reduce the varroa populations by such a significant amount that it means we won't have to treat them in the autumn. More of that plan another time though. Don't forget to check out my website www.norfolk-honey.co.uk and for my latest videos and podcasts with more updates, tips and techniques, it's the same Patreon page www.patreon.com forward slash Norfolk Honey. And remember, I'm Stuart Spinks, and that's beekeeping short and sweet.